Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, lies, spies, and social media. Now, when I first started writing this story this week, I had no idea that by the time I needed to post it, there would be two new major developments. One is that Facebook found a way around Apple security by directing any link a user clicks in the app to open in a browser where a code gets injected to allow Meta, that's the company that owns Facebook, to track anything you do on that website. Ars Technica reports that two class action lawsuits have now been filed against Meta, accusing them of circumventing iOS user privacy choices and intercepting, monitoring, and recording all activity on third-party websites viewed in Facebook or Instagram's browsers. Another big story this week is a Washington Post exclusive in which they interview a former Twitter employee who testified before the January 6th committee and actually feared for her life while doing so because she revealed that she repeatedly warned management about extreme and even mortal danger posed by tweets from former President Donald Trump, including an email she sent to them the night before the violent and bloody Capitol insurrection. Annika Collier-Navaroli, who was a policy official on the team designing Twitter's content moderation rules, says the company tolerated Trump's false and rule-breaking tweets for years because executives knew their service was his, quote, favorite and most used, and they enjoyed having that sort of power. And Navaroli isn't the only whistleblower from Twitter who's come forward to tell federal officials about dangerous, destabilizing, and illegal activities on the part of that social media giant. The former head of security for Twitter testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee on Tuesday, September 13th. Here's Peter Mudge Zatko. For 30 years, my mission has been to make the world better by making it more secure. From November 2020 until January 2022, I was a member of Twitter's executive team. In my role, I was responsible for information security, privacy engineering, physical security, information technology, and Twitter global support. I'm here today because Twitter leadership is misleading the public, lawmakers, regulators, and even its own board of directors. What I discovered when I joined Twitter was that this enormously influential company was over a decade behind industry security standards. The company's cybersecurity failures make it vulnerable to exploitation, causing real harm to real people. And when an influential media platform can be compromised by teenagers, thieves, and spies, and the company repeatedly creates security problems on their own, this is a big deal for all of us. When I brought concrete evidence of these fundamental problems to the executive team and repeatedly sounded the alarm of the real risks associated with them, and these were problems brought to me by the engineers and employees of the company themselves, the executive team chose 
instead to mislead its board, shareholders, lawmakers, and the public instead of addressing them. This leads to two obvious questions. Why did they do that? And what were the problems and vulnerabilities identified? And that's what I'm here to talk about. So first, why did they do that? To put it bluntly, Twitter leadership ignored its, ignored its engineers because key parts of leadership lacked the competency to understand the scope of the problem. But more importantly, their executive incentives led them to prioritize profits over security. Upton Sinclair famously said, it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. This mentality is exactly what I saw at the executive level at Twitter. So what are the problems I discovered? Two basic issues. First, they don't know what data they have, where it lives, or where it came from, and so, unsurprisingly, they can't protect it. And this leads to the second problem, which is the employees then have to have too much access to too much data and to too many systems. You can think of it this way, which is it doesn't matter who has keys if you don't have any locks on the doors. And this kind of vulnerability is not in the abstract. It's not far-fetched to say that employee inside the company could take over the accounts of all of the senators in this room. Given to the real harm, given the real harm to users and national security, I determined it was necessary to take on the personal and professional risk to myself and to my family of becoming a whistleblower. I did not make my whistleblower disclosures out of spite or to harm Twitter. Far from that, I continue to believe in the mission of the company and root for its success. But that success can only happen if the privacy and security of Twitter's users and the public are protected. In accepting an executive position at Twitter, I made a personal commitment to Mr. Dorsey, the board, the greater public, and myself that I would drive the changes needed at Twitter to protect the users, the platform, and democracy. That's what I'm continuing to do here today. Next, Ohio's Republican U.S. Senator Rob Portman. The advent of social media has added a new dimension to the ever-evolving threat landscape and created new considerations for combating terrorism, human trafficking, and many other threats. During last October's hearing on how algorithms promote harmful content, I focused on how social media business models contribute to the amplification of terrorism and other dangerous activities. Since then, the committee has identified ways in which social media companies' product development processes tend to conflict with user safety. Whistleblower testimony has revealed that in numerous occasions, the leaders at social media companies were aware that certain platform features increased threats to user safety and chose not to mitigate such concerns. It's unfortunate that the American public must wait for whistleblower disclosures to find out about ways in which platforms are knowingly and unknowingly harming their users. The lack of transparency in the product development process, the obscurity of algorithms, and misleading content moderation statistics create an asymmetric information environment in which the platforms know all, yet the users and policymakers and the public actually know very little. One consequence of this lack of transparency is related to China. I have serious concerns about the opportunities that the Chinese Communist Party has to access TikTok's data on American users. There are now over 100 million 
Americans, including 40 million under the age of 19, who use TikTok. This TikTok data remains vulnerable to the Communist Party of China, both as the CCP tries to exploit its access to U.S. data and, and exert influence over the content that U.S. users see. For example, despite moving U.S. data servers to the United States, TikTok and ByteDance employees in China retain the ability to access this data. Also, we learned yesterday from Senator Grassley's opening statement in a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing with the Twitter whistleblower that Twitter failed to prevent Americans' data from being accessed by foreign governments. In fact, Senator Grassley spoke about how several Twitter employees were actually foreign agents of India, China, and Saudi Arabia, which is concerning and speaks to why Congress needs more information from platforms on how they secure user data. Another consequence of poor transparency relates to content moderation. While I recognize that content moderation is a key component to creating safe platforms for users, it cannot be the only thing. Transparency reports released by companies often detail the amount of content that has been removed for violating company policy. However, these reports do not account for violating content that is left up to the platform and left up on the platform and yet goes undetected. And while we've been hearing for years that Russia has been spreading disinformation on U.S. social media sites, this week the Washington Post reports the U.S. military has been doing it too overseas. So how can we stay accurately informed? We talked about it with Dan Shelley, who's the executive director of the Radio Television Digital News Association, when we were discussing this topic in general late last year. And I thought this part of the interview was worth sharing again in our report today. And it's up to everyone, particularly news consumers, anytime they see or hear from a particular source of information to do a little legwork of their own, to see who that individual is, to understand what perspective that person may be bringing to the table. Is that person from a Republican administration, a Democrat administration? Is that person a conservative? Is that person a progressive? Does that person have either an obvious or even a veiled bias that he or she's bringing to the conversation? So news consumers have an obligation in this equation, too, and that's to do a little research on their own. Is a claim that's being made by someone, is that claim being made in reputable news sources and on reputable news organizations, or is it just something that happens to show up somewhere in your Facebook feed and that person has never made that comment before, so maybe I shouldn't trust him or her. I see. You know, and it's interesting when you mentioned about people should, quote-unquote, do their own research. I read a story recently that talked about that phrase. Well, I did my own research, and they talked about how kind of misleading that was because what a lot of people don't understand is, let's say you're on Reddit or some other kind of sub-forum or whatever, and you say, oh, well, I want to know more about that. You're directed to a link, and then that link directs you to another link. And really, it's an algorithm, maybe programmed by somebody with ill intent, that sends you from one place to another place to another place. And you think you're doing your own independent research, but actually you're being guided there by an unseen hand that doesn't necessarily have your best interests at heart. That's an excellent point, Gene. And I will tell you, Doing your own research means you have to get out of your own echo chamber. You have to depart from the tribe in which you normally find yourself comfortable when consuming news and other information. 
It means, for example, if you are an MSNBC viewer, you have to see what Fox is saying. If you're a Fox viewer, you have to see what MSNBC is saying. And balance the points of view in your own mind and do independent research outside of your rabbit hole, outside of your echo chamber, to try to get the best obtainable version of the truth, to quote Carl Bernstein, for yourself. Because the proliferation of digital media, social media, has been tremendous on so many levels, but it's also sparked this huge conflagration that is disinformation. And you've just got to be extremely careful with what you consume and what you espouse to be true. That was Dan Shelley, who is the executive director of the Radio Television Digital News Association. Do you have concerns about social media, too? If so, let us know. Send us your comments. Go to our website, wakr.net, and scroll down to look for the comments under this week's edition of This Week in Tech. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net. <laughs>